0: Okay, so the Bible is written, pen to paper. I don't remember exactly how many different guys, I think 36, maybe more, 60-something, I don't remember, different guys write these books, they put pen to paper. But they're not the author. The author is God. That's why it's called God's Word. It was God speaking to these guys, telling them what to put on paper. There's a passage in the book that says, you know, it's all God breathed. But it was men putting it to paper. So it means the Bible's not written from a temporal perspective, not from a linear temporal perspective like you and I have to live out every day. It's written from an eternal perspective. It's written from God's perspective. Therefore, in order to understand the book, you have to get an eternal perspective. Otherwise, you'll never understand the book. I told my girls just the other day. I said, okay, infinity. Okay, you and I, we live in time. On a linear temporal perspective, we have a limited amount of time that we're going to get right here in this life, right? If we're lucky, you know, 90 some years. But eternity or infinity is not a form of measurement because can infinity be measured? It can't. Therefore, it's not a form of measurement. Therefore, infinity must be another form of existence. So God exists in infinity, God himself is infinite. So therefore, when you and I go from this life into the next, we're not going into a measurement of time. We're going into another form of existence. Mm-hmm. We go to exist in infinity. So the Bible is written from that perspective, which makes it all the more interesting and more entertaining. Because he's saying, everything he says in the book is written from his infinite perspective. But at the same time, he takes his infinite perspective and he contrasts it with a human perspective. You see the frailties of humanity, as we talked about David, you know, a moment ago, and, and the frailties of David, And but yet he was still after the heart of God. He wanted to pursue the heart of God. He wanted to know God's personality. And I think God wanted that or David had that pursuit because David knew he wanted to change. He knew where he was at was not where he could and should be. All right. So if you look at the whole thing, infinity is not a form of measurement, but a, a, a different form of living, existing. Right. And if you jump back to the, the Old Testament, see, I took this all together different with my girls, but we'll jump back there right now. In, in Genesis chapter one, you have that, the earth was without form. It was void, completely dark. Okay, if you stop and think about it for a moment, that could be describing a black hole in space. The black holes we know are they're completely uh, without form. They're a hole. They're completely without any life, light or information. They're dark. They're completely void. This is kind of interesting is when things go into a black hole, they cease to exist. All right. So then I got to talking about this with my girls and started thinking, well, wait a minute. If it was a black hole, and Satan was cast down into that outer darkness, he was cast down into that lifeless, formless void of absolute darkness, he may have been cast into a black hole. But then what happens? God comes along and says, let there be light. What happens if you hit a black hole with so much light, it cannot absorb it? My daughter Madison right away, boy, she's on that phone, got them little thumbs going, you know? And after a little bit, all of a sudden she pulls it up she goes, Papa, Did you know if you hit a black hole with so much light, it cannot absorb it, it explodes and becomes a white hole? I said, no kidding. That's pretty cool. And she goes, yeah, you know what's really cool about white holes, Papa? In a black hole, all life, light, and information goes into it and ceases to exist. But a white hole draws all life, light, and information to itself. And it all exists within it. Let there be light. Where did the light come from? It didn't come from the sun and the moon and the stars, because that is until the fourth day of creation. The light, see, the whole book is interwoven. The whole Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, are interwoven by design, by the author of the book, who thinks from an eternal, infinite perspective, all right? He wove the whole thing together. You jump forward to the New Testament. There's a passage in the book that says, all good things come down from the Father of lights. How do you get to be a father? The only way you get to be a father is if something is born out of you. Therefore, that light had to have been born out of God. Now, remember, infinity is not a form of measurement, but a different form of existing. However, can you take from infinity? If you took from it, can you modify infinity? The answer is no, because it remains infinite. It's unmeasurable. So therefore, God was able to take from himself, never modifying himself and the light born out of him. And God invades the darkness with His light. In that one moment, in the, between Genesis chapter verse one and verse two, there's the clear contrast. The whole the whole thing is played out in just the first few verses of Genesis. If you read it, you'll go, "Wow! The whole story's right here. The whole thing, man. All the rest of this stuff is just getting you there." You know what I'm saying? But right there, God's casting down. He's out. Big Mike throws him out of heaven. God's like, Lucy, I'm not even going to get up off my throne. Big Mike, show him the door. And Michael, though, you know, they are with pleasure, sir. You know? And out he goes, right? What you see right there is if God takes from himself, you got to jump back. they the five I wills of Satan, right? I will, I will, I will. I'll be like the most high. I'll be above those stars of heaven. Uh, you know, I'll, I forget all of them, but they're all I will. Well, what's at the center of that? me 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 at the center of his actions are selfishness he's cast out of heaven for pride pride will always lead to selfishness selfishness always leads to pride satan is cast out of heaven for selfishness he's cast down god said let there be light the light's born out of him therefore god's very first act is an act of selflessness because he gives he takes from himself and causes the light to be It's in direct opposition to the selfishness of Satan. So you could also say, listen, you are never more like God than when you're behaving selflessly. But the other side of the coin, you're never more like his enemy than when you're behaving selfishly if you follow that out man you follow the whole book is in there's so much in there dude that we could you know you could take in it, it, it keep going if, and you now you're discovering science you're contemplating black holes and white holes in space you know you start to contemplate physics you start to contemplate where does light come from how does light you know what happens interact with darkness you know I love to think about it this way that when God looked down he said Satan's down there in that darkness and he thought he was gonna sit on my throne now I'm gonna show you Lucy that you never would have sat on my throne because i'm going to invade the darkness and take that from you let there be light and then you jump forward and he speaks the rest of creation into existence but on the sixth day he gets down and he gets a lump of clay and he molds it and shapes it with his own hands that part blew my mind to think about that Mm -hmm. the god himself took the time to form you and form me and then he does one does one more thing i really like this because he's establishing a precedence he gets down And he breathes of himself Mm -hmm. into the lump of clay. Once more, an act of selflessness Mm -hmm. and direct opposition and selfishness. Then you jump forward to the New Testament. Jesus comes on the scene and he seals the deal with the ultimate act of selflessness and redeems that which is lost once again invades the darkness with his light and offers life for you and me you know if you think about it he's offering life i am the life the way the truth and the life mm-hmm. i am the bread of life anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood you know and then you know that everybody gets the pharisees and the sadducees and the wooden seas got all weirded out about that even the disciples got weirded out a bunch of them left except for the 12 you know and and then jesus says man he goes man the words i speak are spirit i'm not talking about literally eating me guys I'm talking about spiritual concepts here, man. And if you'll hang out with me, if you'll pursue my heart like David did, you'll begin to understand the spiritual things. You'll begin to get my infinite perspective. And when I give you that change of perspective, you're gonna see other people differently. You're gonna see the world around you differently. You're gonna walk in this life differently. And then the atmosphere and the land around you begins to change. If you stop and think about it, Jesus comes and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus could not die on the cross. Couldn't do it. All right, look at uh, when Adam, remember, God thinks from an eternal perspective. He tells Adam and Eve, hey, the moment you eat from that tree, you finna die. When they ate from the tree, did they die? Mm -hmm. Not immediately, did they? Therefore, God must have been speaking about a different kind of death. But you got to remember, he thinks from an eternal perspective. So he's saying the moment you eat from that tree, you will die eternally. You will owe a debt of eternal death. Now how do you cancel death? What's the opposite of death? Life. So the only way that that debt of death could be canceled is if life was given. Now, one day I was reading the Bible. I said, God, I said, I, now I know why people think it weird. I said, I'm sorry, sir. But you got that book is so full of blood. You got these guys sprinkling blood. You got rivers being turned into blood. I mean, there's blood everywhere in the book. I said, there's so much blood in the book that the church should be full of vampires. I said, what is it with you and the blood? You know, he didn't answer me. For three weeks, he didn't answer me. But all of a sudden, the third week, I'm walking through my house. and clears the bill from behind me. I hear this, the life is in the blood. Mm. I said, no, no. <laughs> I almost forgot the question. You know, but then all of a sudden, man, it began to come into my mind like a flood. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm having a moment in the mind of God, but also I begin to experience the heart of God. And, it, and then I realized the life is in the blood. That means that every time one of them sheep was killed, it wasn't the blood. It was the life that was yeah. in it that was covering the debt of death. Yeah. That's only a temporary covering because that sheep was going to die eventually. You and I could not be the ones to cancel that debt of death because we are going to die someday. Yeah. Death is in our blood. But there came one who was conceived by the Holy Spirit inside a woman. Boy, you can follow this out and have so much fun with this. Paul this comes to me and says, Jesus was born with eternal life in his blood. He still had eternal life in him. And if you want I, I was all this, I'm thinking all of this, and one day I happen to flip on a TV show, and it talks about women and pregnancy. But it says, you know, when a baby is inside a mother's womb, none of the mother's blood goes into that baby. I didn't know that. The baby begins to produce its own blood the moment its heart begins to beat. None of Mary's blood went into Jesus. The sustenance the mother takes in feeds the baby, but none of her blood went into him. Jesus began to pump his own blood the moment his heart began to beat. Now think about this. This guy goes and he gets beat 39 times with this whip, with these hooks and stuff, and it just tears this guy open. Can you imagine the amount of blood loss he had? How did he not go into shock? You know he had tremendous blood loss. You know how you know? Because it says when he was carrying the cross, he collapsed under the load. When you lose blood, you get weak. You know what I'm saying? And this guy's, you know, picks up his cross and carries it for him. And he goes and it says, he la- remember Jesus said, no man take my life from me. I give it freely. He goes and lays himself down on that cross. Now, there are two other guys that get a- they crucified as well. Can't read nowhere in the story where it says he cried out in pain. If I'm a Roman executioner, I've nailed a couple guys down. Got that rope on there and they're kicking and screaming. I, get him! get him! nail it, nail it. You know, this one comes and lays himself down. Mm. Now I'm a Roman executioner going, boy, there's something different about this one. There's something different here. And they nail him to it, they raise him up, and he articulates perfectly multiple times from that cross. If you're going into shock, you cannot articulate like that. Mm. But watch this man, when he comes towards the end, he says, it is finished, or it is paid in full. The debt of eternal death is finished and paid in full because eternal life has just canceled it. And then he goes, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. It was the eternal life blood of Jesus Christ that canceled that debt of eternal death. We no longer have to carry that debt because it's been canceled and the forgiveness is there for you and me. The restoration, the ability to walk in the holiness of God because God declares us holy. To me, that was just amazing to contemplate, you know. And and then I'm like, wait, why did he wait three weeks to give me the answer? You know, but the the cool part, you see see the cool part there? And if you follow that out, there's so many places you could go with that. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. What do you do with that one? Well, what you do with that one is you got to go back to Adam. Now, I, I caught this from listening to Chuck Mishler. There was an ancient rabbinical tradition that Adam used the stars to teach his descendants about the coming Messiah. There was a thing called the Metzeroth. I may not have all this right, but in a Jewish thing, it's not like the Zodiac. If you ever look at that lady, she's supposed to be holding the scales in the constellation. Like, man, I don't see no scales. You know, I don't know where you all got that, you know. But what it is, is in the Metzeroth, the brightest star and the second brightest star have names. I can't remember how these go, okay? But if you look it up, you can find the names of each of those stars in the Jewish Metseroth. And they spell out the coming of the Messiah through the stars. That was called the way. It's called the way. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, I am the way. What was the very first sign that the Messiah had come? The star. When Jesus said, I am the way, he said, I'm the one who the stars have been telling you about. I'm the life. I'm the eternal life that will cancel the debt of eternal death. I'm the life. I'm the way of life. You can get life through me. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life. Mm-hmm. Who who becomes a part of takes into him that eternal life that was in me. is will now be in them. Then you have the truth. I'm the truth. People say, oh, you should know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know, they use that in the movies and everything, right? You know? Well, what if I came up to you and say you was, but you ain't, but say you was. I say, Eric, brother, you fat and ugly. And I was telling you the truth. Did it set you free? <laughs> no, that wouldn't say <laughs> No, it hurt you. It might have been the truth, but it didn't say right. it hurt your feelings. Yeah. So therefore, if the truth will set you free, and I have told you the truth, but you didn't get set free, then Jesus must have been talking about a different truth, mm-hmm. the same as God was talking about a different death. Yeah. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Jesus said, I am the truth. In other words, if you know me, I'll set you free. Oh, and by the way, who the son sets free is free indeed. He All the way through, he's saying, look at me. I'm the, I'm the one you need to come to. Just get humble and come on, man. The forgiveness is already there waiting for you. All you got to do is come get it. You see what I'm saying? If you look way back in the garden, God said, look, there are two trees in that garden. A couple of naked hippies hanging out in the jungle, eating the fruit and everything, you know. And and there are two trees here. There's a tree of life, and there's a tree of death. Okay, it was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but it's the tree of death because the moment you eat, you die. So then, and God tells them, "Don't eat the tree of death." But what do they do? They eat the tree. You jump forward to the older, further up to the days of Moses. You know, Moses, says, look, God puts before you blessing and cursing, life and death. And he says, look, God told the first two what not to do. I'm going to tell you what to do. Choose life. Now, wait a minute. Way back in Moses. I put before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. Moses was saying, look, there's a dude coming. His name going to be Jesus. He's the son of God. He's the life, choose him. Think about this. When Adam and Eve said, God said, he had two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What did Adam and Eve gain by eating that tree, eating that fruit? What was their perspective already? All they knew was good, right? All they knew was good. So there was only one thing they was going to get from that tree. You see what I'm saying? The snake says to Eve, don't you know, man, if you eat that tree, eat that fruit, you're going to be like God. I'm tell you what, girl. Go on, them, get some, it's pretty to look at, ain't it? Make you wise, you'll be like God. She was already like God. She was made in his image. This boy was selling her a bill of goods. He was trying to make her pay for something she already got. He was really trying to steal from her what God stripped him of when he threw him out of heaven. The lie was an attempt to steal the God-given authority. Because God gave Adam dominion, dominance, authority over the earth. And that devil said, man, when that big Mike threw me out, he snatched my wings off. They made me not beautiful no more. And they stripped me of my name. I got no authority in my name. He said, nah, they got these people down here. I'm going to lie to them. And I'm going to steal from them and steal back what I once had. So you know what that realizes? Every bit of authority that Satan has on the earth is illegal. Yeah. He stole it. Yeah. Well,
1: God gave man the authority, and then when Satan tricks man into serving him, their authority is in service to yeah. him instead of to God. Yeah.
0: See, you ain't got to get far, man. You only got to get Genesis 1, 2, 3, maybe on up to 6. But, you know, you ain't got to get far in a book and you'd be like, hey, wow, it's all laid out right there. But you, the whole thing is interwoven. I love that part because that makes the book fun. Yeah, It makes it an adventure to dig in the book and find the treasures that are hidden in it. But you need to get God's eternal perspective down to understand it. Because yeah. there are many days I read the thing go, God, you're a bad dude. Because you understood all that. I didn't get done of it. You know, <laughs> you know what Because we
1: can try to set up our theories and it ends up being self-serving and, and it, it puffs us up. It goes back to the gnosis. We have this secret understanding that saves and we alone know. Yeah. But when it's a revelation from God, you, you know, God, you gave this. You gave it to me, you can give it to anyone, and the joy is in sharing it. When you think it's a secret, that it's mine, and, and, and it's a selfish knowledge, but the joy of God's revelation is, let's share this, let's talk Giving it that. away. <laughs> I
0: was, I was just think, as you're saying it, I'm going to go, yeah, man, the cool part is when you get it from God, is you get it and you want to give it away. <laughs> yeah. You know, you want to hear, it, man, have this. Yeah, man, yeah. I got it for free, get it for free yourself. You know, here it is, you know. And then hopefully if I give you one or two, God will give you five and six. And you'd run with a whole bunch more. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. The stage is like, you're firing back right here. That's what I hope comes out of this, man. You know, as we're doing this, as God has given me a little, I hope that he gives you a whole bunch more. And this thing grows, and whoever happens to see it on the internet or whatever, maybe they'll get, you know a bunch out of it that God will speak to them and then their mm-hmm. life gets changed yeah. and they get the joy of giving it away. <laughs> yeah. That's the fun part. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Give and it will be given unto you. All right? Well, you know what, God? I want to know about more about your personality. I want to know your personality. That's all I want, man. Mm-hmm. I just want to know your personality. If I get to know him, then I'm going to get more free. And the more I get to know him, the more I'm going to want to be like him. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Then everybody around me is gonna get affected. Not because of me, but because I sought to get to know him. As a mirror.
1: Imagine Christ, they can't help but see what you're seeing. You know.
0: <laughs> That's the cool part of it, man. You know?
1: So my my own idea is God God created this universe and this eternal God created, invented this thing called time. Which is pretty incredible. How did he think about this? How did it, you know? What was his purpose with it? And one one thing that time does is it sandboxes this universe, so that no matter how big of a mess mankind makes, it's not going to mess up. You know, it's like mm-hmm. a, the computer system we have; it separated, and if this one gets a virus, it's not going to infect the rest of it. But the other part is, y- you can see when God created the earth, He's doing an artistic work. And uh, but an artistic work, you know, he looked at it and saw that it was good. Well, if he had, you know, designed it as an engineer, where you just sit down and you go over the blueprints and you put it all into action, you don't, you know, you might do a couple tests and make sure. But when you're creating as an artist, there's surprise, there's actions happening, and I think maybe he made time as this universe exists in a certain moment in this sense there wouldn't be any past except God remembering our story that's our entire that's the entire past of the world there it exists in God's memory there is no future because we have we exist in this moment which is how we experience the world we experience this moment and for however old we get we never move past this moment it's all that exists for us So if God created the world that way, that this moment is all that exists in this universe, then that gives a wide open future where he still has the power to say, I'm going to make this happen because he can do it. But he says, I'm going to use you guys to do it. And the reason I like this viewpoint is because it takes away that thing of, you know, God God already wrote the whole story. He knows I'm not going to do this. So he's got a backup plan. There is no backup plan. He's saying, "I need you. I'm pulling on your heart because I need this to happen. This person needs to be ministered to today, and you're the one I've got who's close. Let's do this." And and he's a great writer. He can he can keep working on bringing these connections in, but he, it puts the burden on us. I need to be connected. I need to be listening. I need to be active, because when he tells me to go, I'm the first option, and I might be the last option too. But at the same time, he wants to make something beautiful with us, and he might not even, you know, he knows where he's bringing it. But he enjoys the the creation, the artistry, the surprise, and he allows us to build that with him. Like, what is what is the church going to look like when revival hits the church? That's something that he's allowing us to build with him if we will
0: follow him. Yeah. I like that. I think that's, you know, it's a, it's the passion. Well, there's a, there's a line in a song. I, what's those guys' name? DC Talkers. I think there's a line that says something about it's the passion of an artist's heart. And I like that. Your, your picture of the artist is beginning to create. But as he sees these lines going, all of a sudden he's developing something over here. Cause he's like, wait a minute, man, I like this picture is going to flow like this. Sometimes, like as a chainsaw carver, chainsaw carvers see the log. And what, and when they look at the log, they, they don't see the log that you and I see. Mm-hmm. They see what's going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think God's the same way. He's like, know, I, I don't see just rocks. Yeah. There's some jewels in here that I'm going to come out and I'm going mm-hmm. to bring it into the painting. But then if you take that for a minute, I kind of like to take it a little further and go, okay, well, if, if he's an artist, what are artists like? You know, well, usually artists are kind of unusual. Sometimes they're eccentric. Mm-hmm. Artists definitely do not see the world the way everybody else does. Mm-hmm. They see different things in it. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so then I'm like, okay, well, God, you're definitely unusual. You are yourself. Ain't nobody like you. You know what I'm saying? And you see this whole thing as only you can see it. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is, is you're going to let me be part of your picture. Yeah. Now, maybe there's times God's going to go, hey, 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 you're scribbling on the picture. <laughs> yeah. You know? Or, attention to all the detail that he has the tree creating the oxygen we need, and us creating what the tree needs.
1: Yeah, that he's not just an detail, artist. He's right. the most intelligent
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> artist oh. you could
1: never imagine.
0: A combination of scientists and artists. Yeah. yeah. An
1: engineer, you know? and Because of sunset, for example. I mean, you, you see this beautiful passage, and then in five minutes is has gone. You yeah. like, God made this, and he made it to be transient. He made it to be there and then be gone and tomorrow it's going to be a little bit different, yeah and so God's yeah. works are for a moment, you know there's no hey uh, you know just let me finish my dinner right. and and then I'll do this, and then it's like this is what I'm doing right
0: now are you are you I mean, part in this of this moment yeah <laughs> it's like Wanda, you know when, hey. Go tell this lady. Oh, and give it a necklace. Yeah. Wanda went by, but then she went back. See? so she got involved in the moment that the artist was starting to paint. Yeah. And the cool thing, I you know, you know, the artist knows what this person is going to need right over here and how to minister to that, how to mm-hmm. touch that life, you know, and to he, reassure them. Yeah, and really he there. brought that person back around to minister to Wanda. Yeah. Her, so a year later, build up her you phone. know. <laughs>
1: Because we, he knows we need that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You know, good stuff. There's a lot to come out of an outhouse right there. It's something.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We'll find out what it is.